Backyard Green Films is proud to present this episode of Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Alara and her husband, Rick, travel throughout the land in their teardrop trailer that they have nicknamed Maggie, bringing you stories about their travels and the people they meet. They visit farmers, ranchers, and just about anyone who loves putting their hands in the dirt or their feet in stirrups. For the past three years, they have been filming a documentary about heritage breed animals entitled The Holstein Dilemma, Heritage Breeds, and the Need for Biodiversity. In those travels, they have gotten to meet some very interesting people. Here's one of those interviews. Hi, this is Alara. Welcome back to our agriculture podcast. Today, we're releasing the second half of our interview with Doug and Anna of Velikas Farms in North Havre, Montana. Doug and Anna are dryland organic agronomists. That's an expert in crop production and soil management to you and I. They practice their science and art in a region that could be considered one of the last frontiers left in America. If you take the state of Montana, divide it in half east to west, and put a pin there in the middle, and then you go straight north to within about eight miles of the Canadian border, that's them. Doug and Anna feel strongly about regenerative agriculture and stewardship. That's how the name of their farm originated. But the regeneration of the land is not the only area of importance to them. They've been implementing an internship program for the last six years, trying to find and train the next generation of pioneers. We thought you might find it interesting to hear from them on both the joys and pain of fostering growth, diversity, and the next, but not hopefully the last, generation of farming in America. Here are Doug and Anna. Our vision isn't just diversity of cropping systems and more acres under an organic, more sane production system, but how do we actually have more people engaged in agriculture? What's what's the diversity in the community there? I mean, we're in a county that's classified frontier county, and there's less than five people per square mile where we're farming. And so a lot of people would be like, oh, what's up with that? Aren't you lonely? But on the other hand, like, isn't that a lot of opportunity? I mean, to think about how many more acres we could be bringing diversity to that is sequestering carbon, that's creating solutions for this climate challenge, and that's all going to take people being part of that story. So, it, It's very interesting to me, the crossover. You know, nature is very efficient, mm-hmm. very efficient. It's going to find the best way to do something, but sometimes multiple avenues of diversity, again, mm-hmm. is the way that nature accomplishes mm-hmm. that thing. So... I, I know that there is a social parallel because we all bring different things, different seeds. I mean, lentils are from where? I believe they're from... I don't know. I want to say the Mesopotamian region. My yeah. father used to talk about Fertile them as a crescent. because they were so high in mm-hmm. nutrients, but they grew so well in the arid regions. There are many other the, um, seeds and fruits and vegetables that come from parts unknown that really bring something to the table, literally and figuratively. So, again, we're in Montana. You have diversity in your populace that you're introducing as well here with your interns, fresh blood, fresh Mm -hmm. thought. How do you do that? Oh, it's been a fascinating journey. That's a good question. How do we do it? We're still trying to figure that out. That's part of the question we have in front of us is when we started the apprentice program in 2013, we really had a vision of, young people coming 
um, working with us over several years, us helping to support them launching an enterprise that could be symbiotic with ours or their own. I mean, we share equipment and labor and, um, you know, because there's this tremendous growth in this next generation that's super excited about agriculture. But what we've discovered is that excitement is um, not necessarily on a at scale farm that's very remote that has tractors, like big tractors. It's been a really interesting juxtaposition about what we want to do with our food system and how we steward many more acres of land. I mean, organic production in Montana is less than one half of 1% of the cropland. So we have 18 million acres in the state of Montana under cropland, and less than one half of one percent of that's actually certified organic. All the way across the state, it was right. just nothing but crop, 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 right. crop. You're telling me one percent? Less, uh, less than one percent of the cropland in Montana is certified organic. So that, that's not including the rangeland, just the cropland. But you know, I think that sets up a really interesting question: is uh, the next generation that is really supportive of farmers markets and kind of the social piece around agriculture that's so important so that people can start re-engaging with their food system but at some level two acres of vegetable production near an urban area is not going to help us really sh make the system changes that have to happen in agriculture in terms of land stewardship so so we're thinking about apprentices not just in terms of how do we grow new farmers but how do we grow new land stewards? And it's it's really one of the most entrepreneurial things I think you could take on. I mean, you get to work outside, you get to work with spreadsheets, you get to think about nature, you get to help solve climate challenge in front of us. So how do we do all that? Um, that's been a total learning journey as well in terms of what does it mean to host another person on, on your farm and help them build some skill sets and... We've established a really good partnership with Kavira Coalition and their new agrarian program. And this year we have two um, apprentices. Um, Ben's from Massachusetts, and Oben is actually from France and uh, grew up on a farm and wants to convert his family's farm to organic in France. And then, so he's going to leave you. So he's going to leave Doesn't that us. seem like... So that's kind of sad. We're, we're back in the same problem we've, <laughs> we've had to this point. Is We've had a lot of mostly younger mm -hmm. people that are interested and come to visit. Some even come and, and uh, work for a season. But there have only been one so far that stayed for more than a season. And it's, I think for the human animal uh, community is, even if you don't recognize it, you, you come to realize is a necessary piece and to d various extents depending on the individual but um, you know there was once community here and it's been depopulated you know there are fewer people living on this land where we farm than have ever lived here even before European settlement there were more humans in native um, societies than there are now and you know, it's hard to wrap your head around. I, if you look at population demographics, we're on par with Siberia in terms of density of population. 
And, you know, while some of it was like that, it, it's not really a healthy um, situation. So part of what we're trying to do is, is recreate that. And, but it takes, so, you know, it takes someone that's willing to be a pioneer. And that's a rare, um, you know, when you don't have to. If there are other places you can go where there are already a community of people. Well, but I also so. think it's more than just the community of people. It's what is our system of agriculture here in the U.S. and how are we actually supporting the next generation to have success in that? Like I went to school and became an engineer and you go to school and you can get a job and you can have health insurance and a paycheck every two weeks and do things that are still really amazing and inspiring um agriculture you have to really want to do it it's and, not easy and starting yeah. at this scale or you know the equipment alone i mean we worked for 20 years and had significant savings and really good credit and so we were able to bring to bear resources and family support in a lot of ways to start our operation would have been fabulous if we'd been able to start in our 20s, think how much more <laughs> diversity and, and established our system would be now. But So we want to help enable other people to, to do that because I think we have to find ways that there are career paths and entryways. And right now, there's a lot of places you can go intern or apprentice and you can jump from one operation to another, but there's no career path into how do you actually get started. Um, you know, like the acreage percent, of organic. In the U.S., I think there's less than 1% of the population that's actually making a living from production agriculture. And that's everybody. That's all production systems. So it's, yeah, how do we shift that? I would say that you, you're talking, there's almost two different things in there. One of them is the transfer of institutional knowledge that's occurring. The average farmer is at 58, mm-hmm. and we're dying out, and we're losing the, the knowledge that you can't get in school. Right. That's mm-hmm. only you only get by tromping the fields for how many years on a farm and learning the you know being raised with it. That's ex- the experiential. You can't you can't really uh, transfer that easily. And so there's that overarching concept in the United States as a whole. And, I, and you both seem to be global-oriented, but also very local, mm-hmm. how many people want to stay here. So if, if your interns come, and they learn, and they go farm somewhere else, is that almost enough for you to make you feel like it's worthwhile, or do you only want them if they stay? That's, that's a, a topic we've discussed and come at from different positions, <laughs> but... Um, you know, I guess it's not that it's bad, it's not a failure, but my goal, at least, is to have people come and farm here. Not necessarily have her, but at least in this, you know, Northern Plains ecosystem. Because I feel like this is where there's opportunity for them, and it's also where we really need to have more people engaged in agriculture. Now, that's not to say that we don't need more in wherever. Uh, France or North Carolina or California, um, but I, you know, I think there should be people like us in France and North Carolina and California that are teaching people how to farm there. Uh, I'm not sure how directly applicable what you're going to learn here is to managing a um, a vegetable farm in the Central Valley, for did instance. Your, did your previous experience in farming help you here? Yes. 
Um, but it was a more similar circumstance than, than what most people are pursuing. And we've also had, which I guess I have to admit is a disappointment to me, um, people that have come and worked with us are going into, I don't know what you call it, support roles or nonprofits, mm-hmm. and you know, there's nothing wrong with that, and I understand the draw, and uh, you know, I think it's basically finding something that has a, a salary attached to it rather than taking on the risk of building a business from scratch. You know, we have to steward not only soil and people and their skills, but also this entrepreneurial spirit that it takes to start any kind of business, uh, farm being just one example. And that seems to be pretty rare in, uh, in our age, in our society. But, but we're hopeful. We've got a crop to, today. Well, I that, have a uh, slightly different opinion. I mean, I think it's challenging as it is for us as a farm to host new people every year and do the training every year. That, that, that is giant and something that we have to think more deeply about around what does it mean to mentor and how do we have other operations begin mentoring. I mean, because you can look at the average of farmers and you can talk about the average age of landowners and then like who has secession plans and where's the next generation coming from and they're not here. You're just going to get bigger and bigger operations. So, so we really need to think about that mechanism of teaching and, and sharing and hosting and what's the support for mentors. Um, but I also think that there are not many of us that are, have the opportunity to actually grow food and there may not be many of us in the future right away growing food. And I think if people come and experience and learn more about what this system of growing food actually is, whatever they do as they move out, they're going to carry that with them. Like we just had a young gentleman this last week who came probably three years ago to the farm, um, had a degree in biology, didn't want to be a farmer. So he came for a really short appointment to help us with soil testing. And he called me and he's like, hey, could you be a reference for my um, master's program application? Because I really want to go into nutrition. And those 10 days I spent on your farm was life-changing for me. Like, I had never seen that there was an opportunity to hook up food and cooking and growing food. And like, it was just really, I mean, it, was, it made me feel good. Like, maybe we've made a difference in someone else's ability to see or think about the system changes that we have to have. And the system changes are going to be so great that it's going to take all of us. It's not like one silver bullet and we're suddenly going to have a lot more farmers and a lot more land under better stewardship. It's going to be a billion silver BBs, you know. <laughs> I, would, I would venture to guess that the, the cropping systems that you're experimenting with might be the same thing in the future. You might not see the immediate impact. You might say, yes, it's just a little bit mm-hmm. more. There might be incremental change. Mm. But there could be something that you find that in the long term really makes a difference. And yeah. it didn't seem like much at the time to you, and it seemed like something a little fringish, but... Mm. It fundamentally changed things, and I think that's the nature is it, of, of our lives, isn't it? That we never know what right. we do that changes something. Well, and I think that's part of the trick. 
Also is the skills that it takes to be a farmer. You have to commit to a place. You have to commit to at least farming in the way we're doing it. You have to commit to investing in things that you're not totally sure the, the, the quarterly profit reporting cycle payoff does not come right away, right? Like, so this next generation, some of the skill sets we've seen, like their ability to think about risk and their ability to really commit to a place or think about community, like those are things that are not, are really at a dichotomy with how we have seen farming and done our farm. And so what's what's the evolution of that to think about how farming might change and how we do farming might change? This is it's a renting kind of generation and not a buying generation. It's exciting yeah. to think about. Well, is, that, is that an ability or a willingness? Uh, well, no, I mean, yeah. it's right. a difference in a mentality. And it seems in the same way that you're evolving on your farm, you're evolving back to something older, mm-hmm. right? This is the way they may have done it 200 years ago because Haber Bosch hadn't come in and we hadn't right. pulled nitrogen right. out of the sky or out of the, uh, the ground. and So it all goes in a little cycle, which is your whole mm-hmm. concept of biodiversity. In but the at the same place. time, too, it's not like we're just doing old-school farming. I mean, it was funny, we had a neighbor that we were riding around with and he said something to one of his older brothers and it was like, well, yeah, there, there, look, that's like how my grandfather farmed. We're talking about our farm. And, um, and I don't think it was meaning to be demeaning, but it was like, oh, like, look, there's better new technology, but like, what is technology, right? And how are we using it? And I, I, two things, mother nature is amazing technology if you pay attention to her. And secondly, like, isn't it amazing to be able to live in a place in a frontier county and have fiber optic internet where I can pull up the weather forecast. <laughs> and like, no, like, oh, it's going to rain for two days. If I was up here homesteaded, I would have no clue. Yeah, My, yeah we're not, we're not Luddite, but we also think there, there are side effects and implications of some of the technology that maybe are not worth the the effort they supposedly save. And if you know, it's really looking at at nature, and is what you're doing emulative or enhancing to nature, or is it in opposition to what she would tell us to do? And if you're if you're bucking that wisdom, then at least in the long term, you're fighting a losing game, and we just have to constantly ask ourselves, you know, well, are we are we doing the right thing? I think I think that's more important than are we doing doing it right is are we doing the right thing? For this place. Are we doing the right thing for this place and this farm individual? Like every human grows up to be their own individual and their own creative capacities and like every farm is that way too. I mean every piece of land's a little different and has, you know, different nooks and crannies and different soils and different needs and different ways to access it. And so the more you get to know that and build a relationship with it, the more you can really help how do you evolve together. When you both describe this, I just have to say, it it sounds like it's for the good of the universe conceptually on the surface, Mm -hmm. but really it's just smart. It, it sounds like you're just utilizing resources to their best capacity for the short and the long run. Is that? Oh, we hope so. Yeah, I mean, I think that for 
for me, I mean, I have this longer, bigger vision of doing the right thing. But for us to be in business and start, you have to do the right thing at your place. I mean, that's where it starts, is doing the right thing at your place. And Well, I think it, one of the things we struggle with is, you know, we're in a culture that is, I would say, addicted to short-term and everything we're practicing is based on a commitment to long term. You know, even even the idea of a crop rotation where, you know, three out of five or, or three out of seven or two out of five years, we don't even harvest the crop. We're turning that back in to enhance the soil. And that's hard to explain. You know, in, in the other system you can you know, go buy inputs to make it possible to harvest more. And yet we're trying to build up a system that that is sustainable over the long term and regenerates itself. And um, that's just one example of where we see a conflict between the society we're in and its, um, as I said, addiction to short-term, you know, quarterly profit cycles or, um, you know, what, what am I going to do next year versus thinking about, well, what's going to be here for the next generation? And the law, I think the more we can um, be an example of and practice ourselves focusing on the long-term, the, the healthier we'll all be. Yeah, I mean, it's really about modeling the behaviors that we want to embody in agriculture and that's tricky it's almost like you're in this holding space of like stretched out between <laughs> what it had been and like what we need to be doing you know there's a there's a tension there between shifting from a system that's really highly input dependent to one that's not that's going to be more resilient to climate change and how do you actually live in that space of tension until the overall system shifts enough but I, I would almost not specify resistant to climate change I would say resistance to change period because mm. if you if you bank if you have security here in those ways whether that be climate economics political war whatever happens if you bank on and being self-sufficient here in your own space, yeah. it makes everything stronger. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a hard uh, hard idea to sell these days, either to you know uh, neighbors, politicians, or interested apprentice candidates. That you know the long view is not in vogue. Um, but anyhow, we're we're trying. We're committed to it. So I need to make sure that I, I specifically get you both to describe your program. You have three different programs for your interns, correct? They have, you mm. have a one year or three. How does this work? Yeah, so we've, ha we've had three, um, and only one of them is really taken off. So that's our new agrarian eight-month immersion opportunity, and we've been doing that in partnership with Cavera Coalition. So... Um, young person applies through Cavera Coalition. There's a good screening process, and they'll come and spend eight months with us. So that's basically a season from March to October 
So you get to see the entire growing season and all the craziness that happens on that. Ideally, it's somebody that wants to really move into a career and a long-term place in agriculture, and then they could stay longer term. Um, the second opportunity that we have is we worked with the state of Montana to actually stand up a registered apprenticeship program. Um, so much like becoming a plumber or an electrician, there's an actual registered apprenticeship where you track uh, work hours as well as uh, classroom training. Um, and that one we have yet to have anyone really ready to commit to go through that. Um, we were pretty excited about that process and yeah, well, particularly with the veteran we had hoped that we could um, work with the veteran community to do that because we had another project with National Center for Appropriate Technology and their armed to farm program um, so theoretically if so, there's an eight-month immersion candidate that would like to do further study in um, organic organic uh, farming systems that's an opportunity to move into another more rigorous structured approach. And then the third opportunity we have is really just an internship. So we have found that as we try and grow out this whole career path of an agrarian, there's so many people that don't grow up in agriculture. They don't even know what it is. They don't even know how to think about, oh, grain, lentils, what's that, big equipment. Um, so our hope is we can flesh that program out a little more and have a shorter term exposure opportunity for folks that maybe are in between um, class in, in the summer session. Well, we've had college. several of those. And we, we actually have had several interns just to get them exposed to this and think about it. Think about organic farming as a career or how what they want to do in the future might relate. So, As land, as the cost of land increases, come across the land, we see places that were empty. 10 years ago and our big box stores and everything now, mm. do you think that there might be more interest in your program? Because it's not possible at some point to get into farming. It's yeah. Just, can't right. Yeah. You know, that, that's been our, our um, I, I guess, hope or aspiration all along is we found a place here where land is available and affordable and you know, we haven't proven it yet, but we're fairly confident you can you can access land and make a living by managing it. And there aren't many places in this country where that's still possible to start from scratch and do it uh, for all the reasons you suggested, among others. Um, but is it going to make more people interested? I, I think that's an open question. I, it gets back to this community or lack thereof. You know, I, I, I think we still believe once we get two or three people that stay with us and and you know form a little nucleus, if you will, that it'll be much easier to attract the next fifteen. But we're still trying to, you know, we're hopeful that this the the current crop will <laughs> will grow into that. But uh, we've been at it for. Five years with apprentices, and uh, um, so far, uh, you know they've been more like tumbleweeds than uh, than tap rooted. Not all your crops take, do they? <laughs> right, right, and it just takes patience. But it's uh, it's frustrating to see them all elect to to pursue other endeavors. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us and subscribe. 
and tell your friends. That's how we keep going. We want to thank Doug and Anna for having us out again today. And for more information about Doug and Anna and their stewardship program, please visit VelikasFarms.com. Is it Velikas Farms? Velikas Farms? It's kind of like an Alara, Alara, I don't know. Anyway, thanks again for listening. You have been listening to Agriculture with your host, Alara Bowman. Please tune in for more upcoming episodes from our travels. We'd also like to thank our producer, Michelle Council. I'm Rick Bowman, your behind-the-scenes editor. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Backyard Green Films Productions, all rights reserved, copyright 2019.